Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do. So probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober. An unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. We are so excited that this episode of Sober Awkward is sponsored by Sarah Rusbatch Coaching. Find out more later on in the episode. The cat is out of the bag, Hamish. Alan's identity has been revealed. Yeah, we had our Sober Awkward Christmas party and Alan was there and some people 
found out. I actually didn't think he would come, I must say, even though he is <laughs> one of the three people that currently work on Sober Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't came, think he'd come, actually. And I thought maybe he would introduce himself as somebody else. Yes. But he didn't. No, I pointed him out to a few people like, that's Alan, that's Alan from the podcast. And they were like, I said, don't go and talk to him. Don't go and say hello. He doesn't like anyone knowing who he is. And I found out that loads of people thought it was my husband, John. But it's not. Alan is real. He exists. Well, when he came to say hi to me, I was like, oh, my God, we have to find Liz. She'll be so excited. And I'm looking around the party for her. And he's like, oh, you know, let's see her. It doesn't matter. You know, if we, if we see her, we see her. And eventually she came past. I was like, Liz, this is Alan. And it didn't register. And I was like, Liz, this is Alan from the podcast. And she was, you are the best bitch about the podcast you're my favourite bit when you told Hamish to fuck off in the first episode it was the highlight of the series <laughs> she loves him so much he then then his wife came over yeah and I said oh this is my wife she's she's super fanning Alan and yeah. Alan turned to his wife and said I turned down her, her advances of sex but I'm happy to have a fan <laughs> He is hilarious. We love him so much. Yes, we had our Sober Awkward Christmas party. It was lovely, wasn't it? It was amazing. It was the first time I've ever been to a party where most of us were sober. Yeah, I've never been to a party like that. Yeah. And actually, interestingly, Liz, who still drinks, didn't drink at that party. Like, she didn't feel like she needed to. She wasn't inundated with drinks anyway, but she said even if someone had walked past and said, do you want one, she would have said no. She was yeah, funny, just feeding it? off people who were sober. Yeah, I did notice that. I, di- I didn't say it's, it's an alcohol-free no. party, but I think people just didn't drink there because they knew most people there were sober. So mm. it was lovely. It finished quite early, which we don't mind us. That's what we people. Yeah. yeah, we had some lovely music. We all danced in the garden. I did some good, like, sort of low-down kicking, some sort of Cotton Eye Joe dancing, which was fun. Yeah, it was great. We had lovely time didn't yeah. we i kind of think i still saw an insight into the party vic as well yeah. when you came over i was talking to john you're like do we pay him for one more hour we should yeah. do one more hour yeah. and i was like oh, you, don't, you don't have to we have to we have to keep the party going i didn't realize at this point it's like 7 30 <laughs> yeah. yeah we probably should actually should have keep keep the musician there for a bit longer it used to be a gram and coke though not yeah. like keep the musician like should we get another grammy should yeah. we get another yeah, grammy? True. <laughs> yeah. Those days are over. Yeah, I'm happy to go to bed at half past nine. That was perfect. So only slept through the night that night. One oh, of great. only maybe five or six times in his life. So oh, he used to go to more parties then. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, he party, likes baby. A party, yeah. He was so cute. God bless him. Um, <laughs> but the best thing, of course, about parties where no one drinks is the fact that you don't have a hangover on a Sunday yes, morning. that is the key. So we today are focusing in on those of you, like, Happy New Year. It's New Year's Day. And here we are in the Sober Awkward studio making a episode aimed at you. Those people that have woken up this morning, been out last night, maybe getting that cramp of coke. <laughs> and today you've decided you want to have a New Year's resolution and give up drinking. So we are talking to you, those people lying in bed, feeling like shit and putting a podcast on. This is aimed at you. We know what that's like and we know that you don't want to go out on another session. So today we're going to go over all the tricks and tools that you can put in place to make sure you stick to your New Year's resolution. I'm interested to know what time people are clicking on this episode. Yeah. Are they still drunk and it's 1am and everyone's gone to bed and they're like, this sounds like I should be listening to it? Or yes. is it 7am and you're hungover? Or have you not woken up till 4 or 5pm and you're like, I need to listen to this episode and maybe get sober? I'm wondering whether it's more like 4pm. On the 4th of January. On the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon it's 4pm on New Year's Day and the, the worst of the hangover has passed. Perhaps you've retched into the toilet bowl yes. a few times and you're like, I cannot do this to myself anymore. I need to find a sobriety podcast and just have a little insight into what it's like. So here we are. This is us. This is it. Today we have a bumper New Year's Day edition of Sober Orc. 
awkward. A longer episode of giggles, truth bombs and light bulb moments, all of which are aimed at you making an important decision and then sticking to it. So grab your slippers and your manky bathrobe. You love the good hangover manky oh, bathrobe. Sounds awful, isn't it? <laughs> that was based on my own experience. Is that it sort of custard coloured? Just a few it's stains got bits on of it. Food around the co- around the, the wrists and the collar. And an old tissue in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get back into bed, people, and snuggle up with Hamish and I. We're going to bring you hot chocolates, leftover Christmas cake and teach you all about how to keep the promise to never drink again. And if you're already sober, then this episode will be a great reminder of why you should keep going. Yep, it's the Sober Awkward New Year's Day guide to why you need to start now instead of heading down the nag's head for a recovery Bloody Mary. Today we want to do an episode for those of you that got pissed last night and have decided that enough is enough. The day you nip booze in the bud. Yes, we're talking to you. The you that is currently lying on a stranger's couch with a can of Lucozade, feeling like shit after necking too many celebratory Sambucas and blacking out before Big Ben struck midnight. God, I remember that happening often, Haim. Those bus rides home on New Year's Day and retching on the back seat. Oh, with all the shame. (laughs) Nasty. Millions of people all over the world are waking up this morning with a stonking headache. A bucket full of sick next to their bed. And maybe a friendly Nordic stranger making them coffee in the kitchen. How do you know my mate Sven? Oh, yeah. I've met him a few times, Hamish. Don't want to know any details. (laughs) (laughs) New Year's Eve is the biggest drinking night of the year. The night everyone lets loose, drinks the bar dry, dances extra hard and stays out way beyond their bedtime. Way beyond the party we had, Hamish. Way beyond 9pm. Way beyond, yeah. Can you believe it? What? Crazy, crazy (laughs) motherfuckers. Um, Once the fireworks have exploded and the empty bottles have been cleaned away, then what? How do you go from having a terrible hangover to then making your first steps into sober life? Well, grab a pen and paper because Vic and I are here to help you. Today you're getting a stumbly walkthrough to a successful New Year's resolution. We're going to take down the decorations, empty out the ashtrays and hone in on that exact moment in which you decide to stop this negative cycle. Yep, we're going to tell you all about our worst New Year's Day hangovers, how it feels to consider something else, how to start, how to stick to it, and why this momentous decision will be the best thing you ever do. The 1st of January is the perfect day to get this sober thingy going. So if you've woken up groggy and you're fed up with hangovers, anxiety, making a tit out of yourself, falling over, and simply feel like booze is no longer working for you, then keep listening. I think it's best to start here, Haim, with my hangover on New Year's Day on the millennium year. Oh my God. I yeah. wanted to hear this story in actual depth for a long time. This is the birthday of the stump. It is the stump's birthday today. Can I kiss it? No. Can I dress it up? You can dress it up. I don't mind that. Put a little candle on it? Yeah, a little frilly dress. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, I have nine fingers. Well, probably nine and a half, nine I'd and say. Two thirds. Nine and three quarters. Yeah. Let's go nine and three quarters. I basically blew off the top of one of my fingers on the millennium night. And I did that because, not not on purpose. <laughs> because. <laughs> because I was drunk. I was feeling a bit heavy. I needed to lose a tiny bit of weight. Yeah. <laughs> 
I basically went out and got hammered. I was in Kopanyang in Thailand, which is renowned for drinking buckets, mm-hmm. which is this Thai whiskey with formaldehyde in it and some horrible kind of energy drink. And it makes you stay up. It's so a not, speedy version of Red Bull, isn't it's it? It's a speedy version of Red Bull. Mm. So you should have passed out hours ago, but you're still awake. So you're in a blackout, but you are revved up. So it's really crazy juice. It's really mm. bad for you. And I'm sure a lot of accidents happen in Thailand because of this one drink. I stepped on broken glass both full moon parties that I went to went to hospital both full moon parties that oh, I went did to. Oh, yeah, There's yeah. a lot of hospital admissions yeah, on those yeah. days. I think New Year's Day there's probably a lot more people in hospital <laughs> with, with injuries, alcohol-related injuries. Lots but. of people in hospital waiting rooms with headphones on listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we feel you. We've done it. So, yeah, and I was down the beach. I drank too much. And then I remember somebody handing me a warm bottle of red wine. And mm. red wine wasn't something you could find in Thailand sure. in the millennium year on a beach. And it was like a hot bottle of red wine and I remember thinking oh yes I've scored and I drank the whole thing Mm. at about three o'clock in the morning after buckets (laughs) after buckets I remember rolling around in the sand and being like a kind of chicken schnitzel covered in sand and just feeling a bit wobbly and rough and then I went into a bit of a blackout and I remember walking down a path holding a firework that I've got out of my pocket and turning the wheel on a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, there was a little explosion or a big explosion. And I looked down and one of my fingers had, was missing. Were you alone at this stage? No, I was with some really good mates of mine, okay. some guys that I'd met who were lovely, luckily. And I kind of, they were sort of ahead of me. And I remember kind of like sobering up suddenly and just going, guys, I think I've blown my finger off. And then passing out and going, I'll never play the piano again. Still trying to make a joke about it. Yeah. And I had to go to hospital and I had to sew it back on and I had to fly to Australia and I had broken fingers and skin grafts and all this Whoa. other stuff. Yeah, it was quite full on. I mean, it was it was lucky that that's all that happened because I could have blown my face up. Like it was just my finger, luckily. And yeah, it was all this whole process and I had to, you know, fly to Australia and miss out on my travels Whoa. around Asia. And yeah, and I had to phone my parents and say that, I'd, you know, their daughter had blown off a finger. So did you... Buy the firework before the night out? Was the I firework always planned? Or I did know, someone give it to you? I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I can't remember why I had a firework in my hand. Like, I'm not someone who messes around with fireworks. Like, I'd always hope that you'd children. seen the finger disappear like, up no. into the sky <laughs> like on the end of a rocket. Yeah. No. Okay, so it was just a bit of a bloody mess. It was just a bomb. Mess. Yeah, it was just a little bomb thing. It looked like a tiny, like, mini bomb with a sort oh, of it candle. Around. It was a round thing. It was yeah. called a dragon egg, I found out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, New Year's Eve really did go off with a bang for me. And I had to wake up the next morning on New Year's Day with the worst hangover in the whole world Mm -hmm. with one finger less, which you can imagine caused quite a lot of anxiety and dread and shame. And I had to make phone calls to people and say, oh, I'm traveling and I'm not, I don't know what to do. And I've blown my finger off and I'm not feeling very well. And I was having a bit of a panic attack as well. Yeah. And I just remember the only thing I knew how to do, of course, that night was just go, oh, fuck this, let's get pissed again. So that was not the end of the night? Well, no, I had to end up like, the end of the night happened. I slept at the hospital. I woke mm. up in the morning at the hospital. I think I was quite drugged up as well. And the whole thing became a bit like a dream because I was just in this paradise island with my arms strapped up and we all sort of thought it was quite funny. Interesting use of the word dream, not nightmare there. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's, I think because for me at the time, like it had happened, I was okay. Mm. 
I just felt like it was kind of another story to add to my rich repertoire. I didn't really think, oh, isn't it terrible? I've blown a finger off and maybe I should stop drinking. I just thought, I've blown a finger off. <laughs> You've like, been dining out on this story for 23 I years. I have. I've yeah. been dining out on it ever since. Yeah, so the stump actually gives me a good reminder of how crazy I was mm. and how much I didn't care about my body. I look at that now and go, actually, that's quite a fucked up thing to have done. True. And it is a good a good memory to have, even though I don't remember most of it, luckily. But it is good looking back and going, gosh, I really t- turned that into a joke. Yeah, and, and even that New Year's Day was not the New Year's Day you woke up and ended up giving up drinking, even waking up with a digit less. And that is, you know, an extreme example of a bad hangover. But I guess most people listening resonate with waking up full of dread and hoping you're still in one piece. I want to give you a trigger warning here. If you've already quit drinking, you might not like this reminder of what a really bad hangover feels like. So go and make a cup of tea, because now we want to really pinpoint how it feels and explain the thoughts pinging around in your dusty head today. So in your past, Hamish, I know you never had anything quite dramatic as blowing a Mm -hmm. like a limb off or anything luckily what were hangovers like for you like this new year's day when you go back like what was it like if i focus specifically on new year's day new year's day often was not a hangover because new year's day is the wake up and you carry on oh god yes because new year's day is a bank holiday i rarely felt hungover for long on new year's Day. i probably woke up with a hangover and then it would be a Bloody Mary or a champagne or yeah. going out and meeting friends or the pub or whatever. So actually New Year's Day was actually the day that it didn't hit me. New Year's, the 2nd of January would be the day right. when it hit me. Particularly because New Year's Eve is often a letdown. Mm. So New Year's Day is an opportunity to rescue the situation. <laughs> so true. Um, and, and you know, it's kind of like the day after the wedding when everyone's a bit hungover and a bit tired and a bit silly. Yeah. And it is an opportunity like, okay, we're still all here. Last night was obviously crap. Let's make today great because we're all, we're all feeling odd together um particularly in australia where it's summer you know so it's summer it's hot the beaches are full i was at a party in bondi on new year's eve and i like four or five in the morning i looked at the beach and the beach was full yeah and the beach was full all day and that is height of summer from four in the morning till midnight on New Year's Day it was like a major, major, major party on Bondi Beach. Forty or fifty thousand. Oh yeah, people. everyone's in Santa hats. I always it seems on Bondi Rescue, whenever you watch it, it is always Christmas Day or New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know whether the whole episode, the whole series is based around those days, but whenever I watch it, it's always that massively busy day down on Bondi yeah. Beach. Yeah. I tell you what's weird as well. I can remember during like a night out part of me being excited about the hangover okay tomorrow we'll have a really lazy day and we'll just sit around watching tv and we'll eat crap food and yeah. we'll order pizza and it'll be like a lazy recovery day which sounds okay in practice the reality of that hangover is never the same <laughs> so you, i would usually wake up feeling okay I'm like, oh, i've got away with it and then it would get to maybe 11 or 12 and it would hit me like a steam shit train it would be atrocious um i was big on room spins and i couldn't really Ooh. stay still for very long or you know i'd be lying on one side and it felt awful until it felt okay and then i'd make the mistake of lying on the other side <laughs> and it would take me an hour to get back to feeling okay it's like vertigo that feeling yeah, isn't it yeah, yeah yeah um that was a big thing for me i would i would be the guy that throws up the next day regularly um if mm. i didn't throw up on the night i would be thrown up all morning 
Um, I'm just going to interrupt you there mm. because I, I remember a feeling like this, like you're reminding me now. And I used to use like any sort of distraction technique to make me feel less ill, okay. which could be like going to do some cooking or trying to go outside or trying to watch something on TV. And I remember one year we set up a, you know, those fart machines that yeah. you, and you have a remote yeah, control yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. We put it, I highly recommend this to anyone today if, if you happen to have a fart machine in your house. Um, put it on top of the TV and then you take turns, you have five goes each. If you fart it at the wrong point, if someone's bending over, oh. you get a point. If someone, if someone's walking fast and it's funny, you get a point. But if you fart it at the wrong point, then you hand it over to the next person. That Those are the rules. Brilliant. That is quite a good hack for cure because it, it makes you laugh and it just takes up quite a lot of the day. And you just need to push a button. <laughs> you just need to push, you don't need to move your head or anything. Okay. Yeah, that, that is a brilliant game. <laughs> Distraction techniques, people. The other thing I'd feel always when I was hungover is... Okay, I've written feeble, fragile, and pathetic. So, you know, you're in the shower and you're bent over double and the water's hitting you and it feels like it's hurting you. Yeah. And then you catch yourself in the mirror and you're just, oh, I'm scrawny anyway, but you just be, just look at yourself. You're pale. You're, you look like your body's just disappointed. Yeah. Like, oh, and, you know, even opening the fridge door takes quite a lot of effort. Yeah. And then you sort of slump into a sofa or, or a chair. And I remember just thinking, what a piece of shit. I yeah, am. yeah. What a pathetic, feeble human being. Yeah, you, do, you become half a human, don't you, when you're hungover? Yeah, because everything's too much effort. Yes. Everything. I'm so grateful that I haven't had that with kids now. Because, yeah, if, yeah. you know, going to the door, I had quite a few <laughs> days when I, my, my step count on my phone would be 14. <laughs> And, and you know, that would be slightly more than Liz because I walked to the front door to get the pizza and she didn't. <laughs> and, you know, those yeah. days, you're like, oh, eat. my pizza's at the door and even getting from the sofa to the door is so much effort. I can't be asked that. Like, that. That with children yeah. would be unbearable. It would be, it would be, you just couldn't do it. No. You I, couldn't I, do it, it'd be the worst. You couldn't, you no. couldn't do it. It'd be awful. I mean, you're just giving me horrible flashbacks oh, right I'm now. Sorry. That's why we had to do a, a trigger warning on this episode because yeah, that feeling, I just, but that feeling of not being able to move mm. because you feel so ill and you know that it's self-inflicted mm. you do feel woeful don't yeah, you and yeah. forlorn because you know that this is your fault and you know that you had a good time up to a point but you know also that it so wasn't worth the pain that you're in yeah. this world of trauma that you create afterwards oh my hangovers are literally the reason I had to stop drinking okay. Hamish because they throughout my life I mean as a teenager they were funny and giggly as we said like I had a few of those I was going to say I think we remember those more clearly and blank out the yeah. feeling crap on a sofa ones which yeah. For me, probably the majority of them. Yeah. But for sure, early on, you have a few days and it's really funny. Yeah. Like all of my mates are hungover and we just yeah. really giggly and silly together. And you but go yeah, out to the pub the or something. And we used to do funny things when we were yeah. hungover because yeah, everyone yeah. was in that sort of silly mood. But then, of course, if you're in that silly mood, you start to feel better. And then we just used to go on mm -hmm. all dayers and start mm -hmm. drinking again when I lived down in Brighton. So there was never really any moment of feeling the hangover because if it was that bad, it was just like, oh, this, we have to get over this in some way. And the only way we know how to end the pain is to get out there and start drinking again yeah, yeah. which then of course then you have that three day hangover and it lasts weeks mm -hmm. and the anxiety never ends mine worse I was sick always sick because I used to smoke cigarettes I actually think that's why I was so often mm -hmm. sick um, and I used to be sick the next day because I used to get to that point where I wanted a cigarette but 
wouldn't have one, but then I'd have one and then I'd be sick. So it's like this horrible kind of lead up to the we first cigarette. We should have some research on that. I'm sure if you Ugh. if you smoke and drink, the hangovers are worse. I'm Absolutely. Sure. I totally agree. Yeah. I think they must be. It's like a mixture of like toxins in your yeah, body yeah. just wriggling around in there waiting to come out. Yuck. I used to get cold sweats. I used to tremble. I never feel like I felt like I could swallow because mm. I felt like my, I mean, it was the anxiety kicking in, but I felt like my Adam's apple was like swollen or something. Oh, yeah, no, I was mental, Hamish. Like, it was really strange. I had palpitations, so I'd be up at two o'clock drinking pints of water, feeling like shit, and I'd have morbid thoughts. So I would never be able to go back to sleep. And actually the nights after the hangover, so I'd be hungover all day, and then the night of the hangover, say, for example, tonight, for those mm-hmm. of you that are going to bed ready to go to work the next day on the 2nd, those are the nights that I couldn't sleep. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So my well, heart... really pal- tired. I was really, really tired. My heart would be beating so fast and I'd gone into an absolute state of paranoia about my behaviour because usually I'd done something a bit embarrassing. I'm not talking about awful embarrassing, but in my own head, I knew I'd behaved in a way that was probably a bit out there mm. compared to most people. But of course, I didn't know that until like now. I actually think also either you relive the silly things that you said and did and you feel bad about that. For me, it was more reliving the drinks. Right. So I'd be hungover and be like, oh, God, then I had that shot. Yeah. Oh, no, and then I had that hot glass of red wine. And, oh. then, and then I had those... And, like, reliving each and every one. Oh. And that really hammering home the hangover for me. Yeah, so you know why you feel like that. It's like yeah. the mixing. Oh, why did I mix yeah, the drinks? Mix? Mixing yeah. the grape and the grain. Yeah. Big error. But I never learnt. That's the thing we're talking oh. about today. We never learn. Like, we're not sitting here saying that we're better than you because we're not. We did it for fucking years, oh, we didn't are we? almost definitely worse than we you. We are definitely worse yeah. than you, yeah. But you don't have to feel like this ever again. Yeah, you don't there have to. Way. There is a choice, yeah. yeah. Believe it or not. I think with my hunger and thirst and anxiety the next day, like, I do, like, you talking about the drinks, I had forgotten the drinks. Mm. So I think my binge drinking perhaps was a bit worse than yours, Hamish, because I actually couldn't remember what I'd consumed. And as you say, I was in bed eating pizza, watching bad TV. I didn't want the curtains open. Do you remember that feeling Mm, of wanting everything dark? I don't even want to know that it's daytime outside. That plays into the other piece of shit, doesn't it? Yes, and also you'd hear the birds in in Brighton, it'd be the bloody seagulls at like (laughs) six o'clock in the morning, and you just knew that everyone else was getting up and feeling normal, (laughs) and just you couldn't I just wanted to go out and punch the birds children playing and laughing and you sort of go out there just go away (laughs) yeah so I just had to stay at home in the dark pure recovery time and they were the longest days of my life it was it was like torture hangovers Mm. were torture it was so not worth it it was like three days of torture for five minutes of euphoria But I realise now in my sobriety, Hamish, what a hangover really actually is. It was a sign that alcohol was doing me damage and it was hurting my body and that I needed to stop it. But of course I didn't listen. It took me 25 years to work that out. That's the only good thing to ever come out of a hangover for you, I suppose, is it was during a hangover that you eventually said, right, enough is enough. It is the hangovers that cause people to not drink. I think if people drank and never got hungover, I don't know whether you'd consider stopping. Mm. It's those moments when you're hungover and feel awful the next day where you go, actually, what is this all about? Why am I doing this? Like, I don't want to feel like this. This is not who I am. Even after the new year in 2000, though, Vic, you didn't take heed. You didn't quit then, but one morning, many years later, you did. You had the thought and you acted on it. So my question to you is why 
then? Why that specific hangover? At what point did those thoughts change from feeling really unwell to feeling like something needs to change? Okay, so this is where we're honing in on you you at home today because these are the thoughts that are probably flinging around in your brain. Um, But there were loads of thoughts. It wasn't just one. It was kind of a mixture, an amalgamation of all these things that were going wrong. I knew one day after experiencing such huge anxiety for years that something had to change. I couldn't just change what drink I was drinking or stick to beer or stick to wine or not do shots or have water between pints. None of that was working. I had been trying that for years. I was trying to be a good drinker, trying to succeed, trying to not have a hangover. It was all consuming all of those thoughts all the time. Shall I go out? How much shall I drink? When will I stop? I made promises I couldn't keep every time I went out the front door, even after having children, I must admit. Um, And and basically, Hamish, it had been going on for so long. I'd drunk all the drinks. I was done, like your mate said. I had completed drinking. So all of these things led up to one point. My body was shouting at me for help. It was the anxiety was my body just complaining saying come on help me out here you're destroying me and I could feel that happening on a week-to-week basis because I'd be good mummy in the week and I'd be the perfect person and then I'd go out and binge and then I'd feel like shit for three days and not be able to function as a normal human being so I had to find out what that was and I had to seek answers to my questions and that took some time and that took really four years from the point where I started questioning my alcohol intake to the point that I actually stopped and that's where I call it that Pinot Gris purgatory where I fell through the cracks didn't reach out for help because I didn't know my questions were important and they were I realize now actually somebody I spoke to at your party the other day said that that's quite normal you know going from I need to stop drinking to actually stopping drinking the average amount of time is years years yeah which makes sense isn't it we all wake up with a hangover and go this has to stop and don't actually act on it or don't you know act on it and keep and maintain it yeah for a long time so it's a culmination of those thoughts over time mm. there's only so long you can hate doing something but keep doing it yeah. i think yeah and also i was bored of the routine i was bored of drinking and by the end of that time i was actually scared of going out because i knew my behavior so well i knew myself I didn't trust myself because I knew if I went into a New Year's Eve party and I'd promised to have one glass of champagne, after that one glass, somebody would hand me another and I'd whack it down my neck because I'd be in that fuck it mode already just from that one drink. So in the end, I started to not go out because I was so scared of getting over drunk and then having to deal with the hangover like people are today as well. So yeah, so it was full of guilt, shame and fear because every time I went out, I failed. I failed myself and I failed my family. And also I drank much faster than most people, Hamish. It wasn't like I'll be sat at a bar sipping on one drink all night. I grew up in a family that it taught me how to drink, which was to get it down your neck as fast as you can until you fall over. And that was always my plan. And that's what I, I translated that as fun in my head. That's how we drink. That's how we have fun. So it was hard to see out of it. But on those hangovers, I realised... I used to go see people like running down the you know, seafront the next day with their ponytail bobbing behind them and be thinking like, how the fuck are they doing that? Yeah. But the fact was they'd been out with me, but they hadn't consumed the same amount of alcohol as me. I had been necking it and they hadn't. And I realised, of course, I was missing out on family time and that wasn't funny anymore. And it made me question, who am I? Am I an alcoholic? And I found myself Googling that most Sundays. 
I was failing at moderation and wondering if I had a problem. And in the end, Hamish, I'd run out of options. I didn't know what to do anymore. Like everything I did was failing. I wasn't learning to be a normal drinker no matter what I did. So those questions were where it started. It's interesting that when you mentioned family, because I think for a lot of our drinking years growing up, you can let yourself down by being too drunk. And actually letting yourself down for most of us isn't quite enough to give up drinking. Mm. But as soon as you start letting other people down, for you talk about your family or people cheat on their partners or people punch someone they shouldn't have punched or whatever, you know, actually your actions are really affecting somebody else. Mm. That can be enough. That can be the sort of trigger moment that you go, shit, this, yeah. is, this has gone out of hand. Totally. Stop. And I think that is called a consequence. And I don't think I had any major consequence. I know blowing my finger off was, and they were the red flags that were sort of, you know, whipping me across the face. But actually, I didn't take heed because it didn't affect anyone apart from yeah. me, like you say. But when the kids came along and I continued this behaviour, there was a consequence. And it wasn't just for me, it was for them. And that's when I started questioning. So it might not be kids for the people at home today. It might be your family or your flatmate or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever. I think you have to take responsibility and, and understand that sometimes it's not just affecting you, it's affecting other people as well. You could have blown someone else's finger off that night. Imagine yeah. if that what that would have felt like in comparison. You know, you said I'm not going to play piano again. Yeah. Imagine if you've blown a pianist's finger off that Yeah, yeah. anything can happen. It's like drink driving, you know. We make some fucking stupid decisions when we're drinking. Yeah. Our brains aren't working properly. It's not 100% our fault. It's just what happens when people drink. And these are the consequences that make you turn around on yourself and go, what are you doing? Mm. It's like the man in the mirror, the Michael Jackson song, isn't it? you got to look. Sing to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's culturally inappropriate to play his music now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we can't. I felt bad the other, the other day we were in the gym and we had Michael Jackson was played. The next song, it wasn't Gary Glitter, but it was... Um, R. Kelly. No, it was Chris Brown. Right. And I was like, if R. Kelly's next, yeah. we need to change his playlist. It's not okay. Anymore. yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? What a terrible world we live in. <laughs> oh, no. Um, do, you think that, do you think, Vic, that if people are lying in bed right now with lots of questions running around in circles in their head, then maybe it's time for them to look into sobriety? Of course. I wouldn't want people to wait as long as I did. To yeah. suffer for four years in that sort of grey area is, is not a nice experience. To know that you're failing but you can't stop is just a horrible experience. Mm-hmm. So if you're questioning, and if you're wondering if you have a problem but don't know what to do then it's time to start looking for the answers to those questions seek out the answers Hamish and I are so excited that Sober Awkward is being proudly supported by Sarah Rusbatch Coaching Sarah has supported thousands of women across the globe to completely change their relationship with alcohol she works comprehensively with her clients to change neural pathways and ingrained beliefs around alcohol Sarah leads by example when it comes to supporting others on their alcohol-free journey. She's been alcohol-free for nearly four years and was one of Australia's first accredited grey area drinking coaches. We've heard so many testimonials from Sarah's clients in America, Australia and the UK saying working with Sarah was the missing piece when it came to finally changing habits and mindset around booze. Her upcoming January alcohol-free challenge kicks off on the 8th of Jan and it has all the tools and resources you will need to completely change your drinking habits for good. It's perfect for anyone trying sobriety for the very first time or in the early days of treading the zigzaggy path. If you need support, connection, resources, guidance and inspiration, then this is perfect for you. 
And the good news is, Hamish, for all of those sober awkward people, it is currently half price. You even get an extra special sober awkward discount. Just add the promo awkward. If you want freedom from alcohol and a more fulfilling, confident life, then this is how you get it. Head to sarahrusbatch.com or click the link in the show notes to grab your spot on this amazing sobriety course. Yeah, get on there. Make 2023 the year you give up booze. We promise it will be the best thing you ever do. Hamish, have you ever promised to quit drinking when hungover? And then, as we say in the intro, found yourself waving a tenner at the barman by happy hour. Thousands of times. Mm. Easily done that thousands of times. I have said it and successfully managed to be sober at points in my life. Right. Um, but never with, like, kept it up. You know, mm. I think everyone has probably set up themselves. Mind you, it's interesting you talked about your hangovers in comparison to mine. Your brain was whirring with all of these questions, all of these questions. Yeah. Mine was like, pizza, Coca-Cola, yeah. I shouldn't drink again. Like yeah. that, that was <laughs> three things. Uh, mainly two things. The other, uh, I shouldn't drink again was like a whisper. Yeah. Pizza and Coca-Cola was like a scream. <laughs> yeah. So no, I wasn't quite as active in my brain during my hangovers as you were. Um, you know, if I got drunk on a Friday or Saturday, I'd maintain sobriety until maybe Thursday or Friday. By the time the weekend came and the next party was on the way, there was no way mm. I was not drinking. You know, because for what reason? Yeah. Like, there has to be a reason. If you're 20 and you had a bad hangover... And you get to a party a week after and you go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to drink today because I had a bad hangover six days ago. Oh, yeah. The amount of shit you're going to get. Yeah, it's crazy, no way. isn't it? I wasn't thick enough skinned to, to live up to that amount of stick, you know. But also people don't witness your hangovers. Yeah. So like some people who are saying that, they might not really get hangovers. They might not have drunk anywhere near as much as I did. So they don't understand the impact that the hangovers were having on my life. They just thought I was a party girl. Oh, look, she's a laugh. She goes to bed the next day and everything's fine and we'll see her out next weekend. Mm. But that wasn't the case because nobody can see you in that situation when you're in bed with anxiety and feeling like shit and scared of your own behaviour. So they're just like, oh, yeah, come out again. You're fine. Everything's fine. So people do do have a go at you because they don't realise that actually alcohol has been mentally affecting your health. Yeah. The one thing I would do is I would justify my drinking by cutting out spirits or shots rather than giving up entirely. But actually... They, they weren't the problem. The problem was just getting drunk, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever you're drinking. Uh, but yeah, I guess that would at least take away that oh, I'm not mixing my drinks, but you could still mix drinks with wine and beer or beer and champagne. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I would always be like, it's cool because I'm not drinking spirits anymore. Mm. So I could tell myself that story and tell myself that was a step in the right direction yeah. and try and justify it that way. What about you? Well, I always crumbled very easily with a hangover. If someone passed me a beer, you know, on a sun- uh, after having a Sunday roast, I would grab it and down it because mm. I felt like such shit that the only thing I wanted to do was get rid of the hangover. And but that, that behaviour is rewarded, right? If, yeah. if I'd handed you a beer on a Sunday and I know you were hungover and you downed it and we were sitting around a table, everyone would have cheered. Yeah, come on, Vic, go yeah, on, hair of the you, dog, well go done, on. Yeah. You'll feel fine in a minute, you'll yeah. be all right. And then I just had to continue drinking. It was terrible, really. It was a horrible feeling. I used to hate those days where I'd carry on because I knew that what I was doing to myself was so detrimental. But I just did it anyway because I was a people pleaser and that's what I wanted to do, to make everybody happy and go, yeah, look at me, I'm still drunk. Ha ha ha. But it wasn't funny. It was funny for everybody else, but not for me. I basically never made a resolution to quit Hamish because I knew I would fail. I mean, I would wake up 
on New Year's Day and say, like, I promise never to drink again. But as you say, it would last a week. And I think the body is designed, like within childbirth, to forget pain. So once we've had the hangover and you're feeling better, the anxiety's passed, and by Thursday you're feeling all right again, you're sort of feeling revved up for the weekend. And in those days, going out was my thing. Get partying, being with friends and socialising. And there's no way I could have imagined doing that sober at that age or throughout my life until my 40s. So there was no other option for me even though the questions popped up I couldn't imagine living a sober life I just couldn't see the point back then yeah it's a good point isn't it why do we silly humans feel adamant about stopping one minute when hungover and then once the headache's gone we're back in the game ordering rounds of shots yeah what are the reasons so many people decide to stop drinking today but don't okay so let's look at some of the reasons we fail at keeping our resolutions. We've got quite a few here, Vic. I'm sure there'll be others that people at home can think of. But yeah, you you get us started. Yeah, these are the ones you need to look out for tomorrow, Mm. today, the next day, this week, and in two weeks' time, just to make sure that you, you don't fall back into the same old routine. The first one, Hamish, is peer pressure. I think that's the biggie right there. That is the big one. I was surprised by how little... I got peer pressure in drinking once I had given up drinking. Mm. I think in a way it's easier to say I have given up drinking than I'm going to take a bit of a period off drinking. Yeah. A bit of a period off drinking leaves the door slightly open and your mates run into that door. Yes. Um, Whereas you're like, I'm not doing it and it's not a conversation we're going to have. You might be surprised by your friends supporting you. Totally. I can't guarantee it. I don't know your friends. I think anyone that I used to hang out with, I expected the peer pressure, whether or not now they'd do it, but I don't I don't think they would, but that mm. I was very easily elbow twisted and I think I was worse we've talked about this before, but I was the one peer pressuring everybody else. So it was the other way round for me. I wanted people to drink with me. Yeah. So it was the opposite, yeah. Another reason that people do not keep to this New Year's resolution of going sober is that it's simply too hard. Now, I would actually challenge this and say that that is the reason it's so rewarding. So I say it is bloody hard. Like, Yes, this is hard. There's no two ways about it. But because it's hard and you're doing it and most people can't do it, you feel self-congratulatory. Like, that you feel is like so you true. You feel something. Yeah, so every time you go out, you give yourself a pat on the back and just go, I've done it. Yeah. I've been out to a pub and I didn't drink and it was fine. Like, that's the huge realisation is actually, this is okay and it's not as weird as I thought it was going to be. And I guess we should say with this one as well, is often people give up drinking and assume that that is, your life's going to be amazing. Actually, giving up drinking doesn't address the reasons that you used to drink that probably still need addressing. True. So you might say, oh, what's the point? It's too hard. I don't even, I don't even feel the best I've ever felt and I haven't drunk in a week or a month or six yeah. months. So, yeah, you've got to kind of address the reasons that maybe you were drinking to excess before as yeah. well as going sober. And it's normally in that situation, it's going to be social anxiety. Yeah. So the more you go out and the more you experience social events without alcohol, you normalise that rather than normalising the drink. And that is fucking satisfying, I can tell you. (laughs) It really is though, isn't it? Of course it's easier to fit in, so you'd continue drinking just because you don't want to be the odd one out. Or you might be telling yourself that your problem is not bad enough. Yeah. No, I'm, I was an alcoholic, so why should I give up drinking? It's a story that we all tell ourselves. Even alcoholics probably tell themselves because yep. they go, well, I know somebody's worse off than me. So, yeah, don't don't compare yourself to other bad drinkers in Yeah, this don't point the finger. If you are feeling like you're having anxiety and alcohol is having negative impact on your body, on your mind and on your life, then therefore it is a problem. And that was something I learned in therapy was that no matter how big or small it was, 
it was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always something really interesting to learn about yourself, which leads to you trusting yourself because you decide to make a choice. And that's what changed for me. I could be around alcohol and know that I didn't have to do it. And therefore I gained a trust in myself, which was wonderful. Another one is, oh, everybody gets bad hangovers. They heal. I'll be fine. Which of course everybody does. But do you want to be hungover? That's the question. And, and is there another possibility? Yeah. Do you want to give up a day or two of your week for the rest of your life yeah. to feel like shit? That's why my book's called A Thousand Wasted Sundays, Hamish, because mm-hmm. it literally was a thousand Sundays that I stayed in bed. Did you do the maths? I did the maths. Yeah. yeah. And then I didn't add the two for one Tuesdays or the, the midweek ones. The midweek or the ones. Holidays, so, I, eight I, days in a row. so have I not told you this before? No. So I worked out, Hamish, that it's about 8,000 days or something like that. So three, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like three years in total that I've spent in bed with a hangover. Three years. Three years yeah, of my life. Days, yeah. yeah. Isn't that mental? That's wild. I know. I think it was, yeah, 3,000, I think it's more like eight years. It was something ridiculous. I'll, I'll check those numbers. But it was something completely crazy that I have laid in bed on my own, feeling like I'm dying, just because I wanted people to like me, really, at the end of the day. Dear, oh dear, it's and embarrassing, that's not isn't it? And just all the normal hours you spent in bed. You've probably spent that. Yeah, it's like probably half my so life. Easily half your life. Yeah. Which is actually always a good reason to invest in a good pillow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hypoallergenic. What's the word? We are sponsored by pillows from now on. <laughs> yeah. uh, sober people are boring. Mm. We have been fighting that one for a while. We're going to be fighting and that one you forever. You to your sobriety, people will tell you that you're boring or that sober people are boring. Or, or somebody said to me, I know a sober man. He's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm now one of those. I actually posted a video of you, Hamish, on my Instagram page about you doing dancing. And somebody wrote underneath, you two really make sobriety look not boring. Oh, really? That was the comment. I was like, thank you. That's what we're trying to do. Holding the mantle high. Say, look at us. We wear bright clothes. I've got pink glasses on, Hamish. I'm not boring. (laughs) They didn't know it was 7.25. (laughs) It looked like, yeah, it looked like 11pm. But yeah, we were just off to bed. The other thing is, which is a funny one, is that you can't be asked basically, to try something new. It's again, it's that seems too hard. Like, why would I bother? Drinking just seems easier. And of course it does seem easier because it just means you fit into everything. You don't have to make any big choices. Everything stays the same. But do you want it to stay the same? Mm -hmm. That is the question. That would play into my hungover. Can't be asked to do anything. Actually, I would probably say I'm not sure if I've ever written a list of New Year's resolutions on New Year's Day. I would Mm. have written it on the 2nd or the 3rd of January because New Year's Day is such a write-off. Yeah, There's no way I'm going to get a pen and a paper and sit down and plan my year. But that's funny because you would be hungover perhaps on New Year's Day. Mm. So one of them would be, I'm going to give up drinking. So perhaps you waited until the hangover had passed a little bit so that you knew you wouldn't have to write that one down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've brought my diary with me, which we'll get to later. Okay. And in it, I wrote my New Year's resolutions for this year, and giving up drinking wasn't one of them. Okay, so of course. Interesting, but you know, even if you don't write it today, you could still end the year sober. Or you meet someone like me who forces you into sobriety. We'll get you into this podcast, yeah. and that's the way you'll give up. <laughs> yep. Another reason that people may set this as a resolution, but then not stick to it is that you don't know where to start. And later on the podcast, we're going to give you some tips exactly where to start, because it can feel a bit daunting. Um, I guess it can feel daunting, but also it's also very simple. You just don't drink the drink that you used to drink. Yeah, Um, sounds simple. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it can be easier said than done. (laughs) I have a birthday coming up. Mm. I have a wedding coming up. I have uh, the the dog's birthday coming up. (laughs) 
So all of these things are reasons to drink and you can't imagine a future without them or doing these these events without alcohol. So that's something you have to get your head round a bit. So we're going to talk about planning and preparation for those sort of things. And we have talked about the big events in past yeah. podcasts. So those are really excuses to drink. Just remember how you're feeling today and think, well, can I go to someone's birthday and not drink? What we are going to find out today is that, of course, that is possible. And it's actually bloody amazing. I had a mate of mine call me up and say, I'm going to give up drinking for November. Great. Because well, actually, I'll, I'll give up until the, the Football World Cup starts. Football World Cup started three weeks into November. I was like, okay, so you're going to give up for three weeks of November, but then drink for the last 10 days. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a Football World Cup in Qatar. It's not, he lives in England. Right. It's not even in your, you don't even go to any of the games. The games Gosh. start here, the games start at midnight, 2am. Yeah. Surely, they're not so even he's, drinking at the World oh, Cup. Oh, so he's going to give up drinking at night when he's asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good plan. Yeah. We must say quickly, we just did our sports episode, which I'm sure you'll listen mm. to. And since we recorded that episode, the World Cup has banned alcohol, Time. which is fascinating. So we're hoping from that, like I know a lot of people will be pissed off about that, but for me, I think that's a step in the right direction. And I hope it, it pushes this alcohol-free scene. I know that Budweiser were promoting it and yes. now they're trying to produce more zero 0.0 Budweiser's to try and get them over to Qatar in time. But you never know, this might be a bit of a boost for the alcohol-free industry and That's say, look, we can go to sport, we can do stuff, it's fine. It's Particularly given football's history with violence and racism yeah. and protests, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see football in a way where there's no booze at all. Another reason people fail this resolution is because they say they want to try moderation first. I reckon most people <sighs> are going to try and take that baby step first. Yeah, It's a dangerous baby step. It, it, and it's also a slog. Yeah. Trying moderation, that four years that I was trying to do it, it is mental torture. Mm -hmm. And because you fail, then you hate yourself. It's like it's like another level of drinking because you can't achieve it. It's really, really hard. I have never, ever met a problem drinker who can moderate. It just doesn't happen. You start off well. Within weeks, you're back into exactly the same spot where you were, which is struggling and dealing with mental health. Well, moderation is where the peer pressure comes in. Yeah. If people know you're moderating, that's when they can peer pressure you and you may well buckle. Like I said, if you don't moderate, peer pressure is a much, much lesser enemy. And remember, it's the first one that does the damage. So once you've got one down the hatch, the likeliness is that you're going to have two. And the obsession is still there. Also, you don't know how good sobriety is. So why would you give it a go? And I know it's all very well us drumming it into you how bloody brilliant it is. But you're never going to know if you don't give it a go. And that's a... That's a good reason as any, isn't it, Hamish? Yeah, that's what we say. You know, don't feel like you have to set it as a New Year's resolution for a year. Yeah. Do, a, do a week or do a month, do a fortnight. Just do it for a bit and then experience what it actually feels like. Yeah, just give it a go. And the final one is that you can't imagine life without alcohol. That is just about rewiring and reframing your, your expectations in your life and your sobriety. And that is only one way to do that. That is to give up for a little bit. And if you give up... And you don't have to think about it. And that is a huge relief. This last one is so huge, Hamish. Binge drinkers and all problem drinkers cannot imagine a life without alcohol. Even if it's making us ill, this is the major point that we need to discuss. Can a big drinker live a happy life without ever getting squiffy again? And my answer, of course, is simply yes. Sobriety is possible for all. And it will be the most uplifting and exciting thing you ever do in your life. No matter how deep within the culture you feel, there is a life beyond alcohol and it's better. That's the big reveal. Being sober is so much more rewarding than being drunk. 
I never realised this, Hamish, when I was a drinker. I didn't know that you could still have fun or you could experience life or live life to the fullest. I thought fun equals alcohol. Mm -hmm. And of course now I realise that's not the case and I get to live my life without an obsession with booze and just enjoy every moment. And that is so bloody uplifting and brilliant. Can I tell you who else it's better for? And this is something I experienced this week. It's not just better for you, it's better for your friends. And I'll tell you why. Mm. This week, and we'll get into this in another episode, you did a your talk in Byron. And the night before the talk, you sent me a really sweet text saying, I wish you and Liz were going to be there. And if I got a sweet text like that from anyone else at night, I would think, oh, they've had a drink. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they've had a drink and they're sending soppy texts. Yeah. But when a text comes from somebody sober that says something sweet, it means so much more. True. So I know that every text you send to me is not a drunk, soppy text. It's always going to be like a genuine, nice text. But what if I send you a really angry text, like, were you a bastard I've done something wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have. You'll know, you'll know that it's actually the truth. It'll sting much worse. But you know I won't do that because I'm a people pleaser and I always want to keep you as a friend. You'll bury it for sure. Are you okay, Hamish? Are we all right still? Are we still friends? I'll do that again. (laughs) I'll keep texting you. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad you felt that from me because I did wish you were there. Yeah. Basically, it... It instills a trust in you and it instills a trust from your friends is what you're saying. So you learn to not only love yourself, but your friends trust you more, which is lovely. And your family and your partners and everything. You build up a better relationship with people because they know that you are real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're not numbing out and you're not acting like a tit most of the time. So where do the people listening start this journey to being a smug, sober person? What are some great ways to kickstart sobriety? Let's find out, Vic. Today, we're going to help kick this off. Make sure you don't stumble at the first offer of a cheeky pint of Stella. It's all to do with preparation, Hamish. If you go in with no tools to prop you up, you will fail before last orders are called. There are things you need to put in place when you make serious New Year's resolutions like ditching booze. Plans need to be made. Okay, so let's get planning. These are all the things the listeners can do today to ensure this works. Yes, we're talking to you. Today, this is what you can do. Okay. Let's go. She's, she's aggressive, isn't no, she? No, I'm really serious I can, about I this. I feel like because, one of your children. But do you know what? My sister always says to me, Louise, whenever she listens to our podcast, mm. she's 22 years sober, she gets tearful because she said she never had this support when yeah. she was getting sober. She went to AA, which worked for her, but she never had this level of support. So that's why I feel really passionate about this episode because I want people that are waking up this morning on New Year's Day to have this support and have these tools and listen to this and go, right, this is what I can do to get sober and these people are going to help me. So I think, I imagine Louise when I'm thinking, when we're talking Mm. about this today and giving her back then the tools that she needed. Oh, so cool that this episode could help someone actually get sober. Yeah. This is how you're going to do it. These are the tools. We're here to support you. This is the episode. Yeah, and don't live in that no man's land of going back and forth, back and forth, drinking, not drinking. If you don't feel like drinking, don't. And this is how we're going to help you. And you can do it. Much lesser people than you have given up drinking. True. So let's begin by talking about achievable goal setting. It's important here to be clear early on about what you want to achieve and set a reasonable or attainable goal. So set yourself a challenge. Like I said earlier, it could be a week, it could be a day, it could be a year or forever. Whatever seems possible and how badly do you really want this is the question you need to be asking yourself. If forever seems too hard, just say two years. This way you get to experience the full benefits and decide if it's for you. Put a date in your diary, if you've bought a diary yet, you have to be quite organised, and download the Done Drinking app to start logging your journey from now. The other good thing to do is make sure you're accountable Make others aware of what you're doing. 
text a mate, tell them you're going sober for a year or however long it is. Ask them to join you. That's a brilliant mm, thing to do. Make a team. Write a farewell letter to alcohol. Did you do that? Yeah. Oh. Uh, it, is, it is recommended to do that to in some that therapists. The yeah. At some point yeah, you need you to write share. a letter and say all the things that you're doing to me, the things you're taking away, and the things that it's how it's affecting you. Write that letter and say farewell to it and then burn it in the garden. <laughs> tell your parents, tell your friends, tell the cuppa community, tell the dog, tell the crazy man that lives at the end of your road or whoever will listen and be proud that you're doing something so punky and rebellious. Basically, tell everybody. Yeah. That really helped for me, actually, because I know that if I've told someone, I'm more likely to stick to it. Yeah. Track it in a diary. Go and grab a notebook and write down how this hangover feels. That's if you can write. Mm. Type it. Yeah. That's easier. With a shaky yeah. hand. Or just do, an, do, do a voice note. That could be easy. <laughs> yeah, do a voice note. <laughs> uh, then write every day about the changes you are making and how life is unfolding. Seeing your own progress in black and white makes ticking off those days so satisfying. And logging your sober adventure will be great to read back on one day. Liz, Vic's book is an example of that. Liz's book. Vic's book is an example of that. Has Liz written a book? Is she like a competitor now? <laughs> yeah, she goes to call it A Thousand Wasted Saturdays. <laughs> She's releasing it a week before that yours. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> if you are not a writer, draw a picture of your life now and your life in a year and stick it on the fridge. I'm not joking, Hamish, that sounds silly, but I, that was the first thing I did on my first day of therapy was I drew a picture of how I feel now and a picture of how I want to be. So the first one was like loads of mess everywhere and rubbish and like all this stuff going around in my head. And the one I wanted to be was just a picture of a stick man in a hammock. And it was all chill and it was the sun shining and everything much more calm. And that was my aim. I want to talk about hammocks quickly. Because mm. I remember hammocks being a trigger for you. Is yes. That, I just house sat for you. You own a hammock. Well, no, I'm getting over. I'm facing the fear. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, she makes it hard for herself. And you can see it from your bedroom. I she can't. makes it so hard for herself. <laughs> just, just, it's just surrounded by alcohol. Face your fears. <laughs> Face your fears. <laughs> I thought this would be a nice chance for me to get my diary out. Okay. Well, so I wonder what, what you're going to say. Yeah, <laughs> for me to get my wang out. <laughs> Face don't your fears. Well, not again. Don't get your wang out again. <laughs> People, it's, it's New Year's Day. People are going to have diaries and set resolutions. So there's three things that I'm going to share with you all from my diary, as vulnerable as this feel. Okay. I wrote what I was grateful for in the previous year, my goals for next year, and then I've written every day, I've written a sentence about what I'm grateful for that day. And I'm going to let you, Vic, choose any date in the calendar year, and I'm going to read you that date. Oh, okay? great. Don't choose your birthday. It's always boring to choose your own birthday. I love this. I'll begin by telling you what I was grateful for in the previous year. And I've written probably 15 things. So I'm not going to go through all of them because we haven't got time. One of them, though, the, f the fourth one down, the Vanstone and Weller family. <laughs> for lending us their home and their friendship. Oh, how gorgeous, Hamish. So I wrote that 12 months ago. Oh, my God, yeah. I love you. That is so okay, beautiful. Thank you. Here? <laughs> allowing me in your special book um, being able to fall pregnant and that pregnancy being healthy oh yeah that's a massive the one. return of the ashes cricket oh yeah of course <laughs> my parents and brother for their entertainment and support from afar oh how lovely oh, i love your book okay so now my goals for 2022 yes so what did i have here Pre prepare to be a dad mm. write in this book every day yes to do that as a as a um, resolution is good to use the lessons I've learned from my parents to be the best dad and parent possible. Oh, they're all so lovely, Hamish. Insist on cooking and cleaning to help Liz out more. 
been, I have, mm, I've been really good at that one this week. <laughs> yeah. I said I would cook dinner once a week, um, at least, and I've not done that. But this week I've been really good. I think my things would be stuff like don't eat so much cheese, yeah. um, stop stuffing lint balls in your face at every opportunity. I don't think I did any food ones. Oh yeah, mine would be all food related, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to exercise more, stop being a lazy fuck. <laughs> Try and make somebody smile each and every day. That's oh, a good one. that's a okay. good one. Now, you choose any day, any day in a calendar year and I'll read you it. I'm going to go the 11th of May. Massages and a relaxed Liz after a better night's sleep. Okay, good. So this is I was giving her a massage every night. Yes. From the second of May, which is the due date, till the twelfth of May. I learnt reflexology. Yeah. And I was doing because we did this um hypnobirthing course. Yeah. So I was doing light touch massage. I was doing guided meditations. We could do a bit of that on me afterwards. No, no. It's all it's all far too sexual. (laughs) Oh, is it? Oh gross. No, please don't then. (laughs) So no, that was that was the day that was my last day as a non-dad. Okay, excellent. Whatever that. There's not a phrase for non-dad, but that was my last pre-dad day, so I'm glad you chose that day. So that book you can look back on yeah. and go like, these are the reasons that I enjoy my life. When you're feeling down and when you're feeling sad, you can go, right, I'm going to go and look in my gratefulness book. Okay, your next one is about planning ahead. Yep, add weekly objectives and plans that are bite-sized. This creates a sense of accomplishment. Planning ensures you meet your goals, along with an understanding of potential challenges. This boosts your chances of success, especially when it comes to long-term goals. Add entries like week one, just don't put a drink to my lips. Week two, go to a social event. Week three, find a new hobby. So just keep going for it. Week four, buy myself something nice with the money I've saved. Then add them in your calendar now. Yeah, Do it right really now because then you've got a plan ahead. I can't use a phone calendar. I have to buy physical calendars. Mm, I know what I you mean. I'm not even that not techie, but I quite like writing them. I think it is better because I often don't check my phone calendar and then yeah. I miss out on loads of things. Like today, I was supposed to do a podcast with someone, completely forgot it happened because I don't look in my phone diary. Oh, I'm that person. We're yeah. doing the podcast now. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mate. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, our next point is about self-doubt. Being self-critical or doubtful doesn't help since it focuses all of your attention and energy on why I can't do this. As you improve and tick off a few days to start to practice thankfulness, compassion and love for yourself, and don't let a minor setback or disappointment turn into a permanent failure. If you slip up, count it as a blip and get back on the horse. Self-doubt will ease the longer you keep sober. This is a good point. I just read that um, Sober Curious book yes. that was on your shelf. And she tries to reframe um, relapses. She doesn't use the word relapse because it's very harsh on yourself. And she calls them, I think she calls them learnings or, or um, reminders. Ah, oh, excellent. So yeah. she calls them reminders. So if you fall off the horse, that's all right. But just treat it as a lesson to get back on. Don't come down yourself so hard and go, oh, I screwed it, bugger it, I'll just drink for the rest of the year. Mm. So you can be kinder to yourself than that. What's horses got to do with it, though? That's what I want to know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I've very rarely been on a horse. Very unstable, Hamish. Is, oh, maybe that's it. Purpose. Write in the beginning of your diary your purpose. Now, this one is huge. I think this is a brilliant thing that you can do right now. It could be one word, like get rid of anxiety or my health or joy or money, a bit like Hamish's gratefulness diary there. Or write one sentence. Mine was, I want to be a better mum. Hmm. I kept this purpose in my brain and I still do. When someone asks me why I don't drink, I remember this one sentence, my why, my reason, and that is enough for me to keep going. So think about it now while you're lying in bed with that hangover. What would be one reason why you want to stop drinking? And now remember it and use that 
as your purpose. That's so good. It's also really good to set yourself a goal like that. I want to be a better mum, which doesn't have a goal. Yeah. You will never achieve that. You haven't said, I want to be a great mum. No. I want to be a better mum. Like for this podcast, we want to help one more person get sober. We're never going to reach that. Always, there's always right. more. Why is it the right time? How do the listeners recognise that today is ground zero? How did you know it was the right time, Vic? I realised I couldn't give up on my own. You need help. That was the huge epiphany for me. That was the changing moment that I went from being an overdrinker, a problem drinker, some might say alcoholic, to being somebody who decided to change. So I knew from that four years of failing at moderation and not trusting myself and hating myself because I couldn't do it, that I couldn't do it on my own. So you sort of gave up control. I gave up control and I knew I had to hand it over to somebody that knew what they were doing. And I didn't know why. I don't know why I woke up that particular day with everything else that had happened. It had just reached that point. I couldn't go on anymore. And that was huge. That was the biggest, most monumental time in my drinking and non-drinking life because it was the start it was the start of everything and I phoned up that day with the hangover phoned up a local addiction therapist and started my appointments with her the next Monday and I went in there thinking God, I'm gonna go in there and be a better drinker and I came out and I never drank again yeah and so that's a point where you have to say like why am I failing at this you're failing at it is because you need help to stop and you need help to understand what's going on. And there's nothing to be ashamed about with asking for help. It is the best thing you will ever do for yourself. So I highly recommend if you're lying in bed today with that terrible hangover and you're failing at moderation and you can't stop drinking even though you want to, get some help, like get some support from someone. They know what they're doing. They're there to talk to you about your past and find out why you're this drinker and that will reveal a sobriety future, Mm -hmm. which is going to be amazing for everyone that does it. And maybe in alcohol more than any other addiction, there is more help than ever. And loads of it is free. You go, oh, I can't afford to do that. Loads of the help is free in alcohol addiction. And it comes in so many forms. Mm. It might be you talking to a mate. It might be you talking to your parents. It could be a therapist. It could be our community Mm. that we have. It could be anything. All you've got to do is start talking about it and ask those questions rather than thinking them in your head. The way you will know it's the right time is because you are seeking answers. This means you are sober curious and that is the beginning of your sober adventure. I do get so excited for people starting this journey. I really do. I can't help it. I get a little shiver in my knees, if that's a thing. I get wobbly (laughs) because I just get so excited because people don't know what's happening. And it's really actually exciting. And I know it feels like a nerve-wracking thing to decide to do, but I just get so excited for people because the changes are huge. Particularly that first month. I reckon the first month you probably have some of your hardest days and some of your most rewarding days. Because you realise you can not drink. Yeah, and And you're taking off all things for the first time. Yeah, and you're living, you're living your life. You know, they have no idea what they're stepping into. They think it's going to be something being taken away from their lives, but all sobriety does is give. You see people thrive and learn and grow, and you see how their brain starts working, how creative and happy people come. You know, alcohol is a blocker. It stagnates you, and it makes you stop doing all the things that you could do. It's an utter pleasure to witness people change, Hamish. How have you found it, Hamish? So I'm coming at this from a slightly different angle, which is that I think a lot of people think they need to reach ground zero to act upon it. So they go, oh, you know, I'm bad today, but I've had worse hangovers, so I don't need to. And I gave up 
before I reach that, which you can do. You don't have to be a problem drinker to give up. You can just give up. There's still You can still get all the benefits, even if you're not a problem drinker. And the thing that I've heard the most people say to me um, in their sobriety, and this is the worst kept secret in the world, is that it feels like a superpower. It so does. And it doesn't matter if you're a recovering alcoholic, you then go sober, or you're just average Joe and you give up. It does feel like a superpower because you're building this immense confidence. You are going to parties sober. You are dancing sober. You are trying your experiences sober. You know, you, everything that you thought you needed a drink to do beforehand, you don't. And that is really empowering. I feel particularly good about it. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the best thing about being sober? And I gave it a little thought. And for me, it's I know that at this stage of my life with a new wife and a new child, that this is the best thing that I could be doing for them. There is no way that me drinking would be improving their lives at all. So that feeling that I'm helping someone, or two people in my case, as well as myself, is the greatest reason to give up drinking in my, in my experience. Not to mention the financial benefits, not to mention the health benefits and everything that accompanies with it, but me being sober helps other people as well as myself. And I think you can tell yourself that when you do give up today. I think that's a really good idea. It's like the purpose again. It's like to pinpoint what benefits you are going to get and really focus on that. Like the one thing, if you were to say to me, Hamish, like what is the one thing? Like there's millions of things that mm. I could tell you, but what is the one thing? And it's for me, it's just that not feeling like I hate myself anymore. Mm. You know, I don't like, I don't dislike myself. That was a huge thing that I hid under alcohol for many many years and that's what sobriety can give it changes you and it makes you understand that you're not an asshole. you don't have to worry about your behavior and you can trust yourself and like yourself and it sounds so cheesy and cliche to say that but that's what sobriety is it's not about giving alcohol up it's about liking yourself enough not to drink now let's cover a quick few things you can do right now to help you in your sobriety Yep, so we hope now you have a plan, a purpose and some goals. You can also do these things. Get your laptop out and Google funny dog videos for half an hour just to cheer you up, put a smile on your face, make your day. I can literally watch dog videos on Instagram Reels all day. A few classics. Um, Fenton, that's the dog that ran off away from its posh owner in Richmond Park. Yes. Your favourite is... Is the dog that's scared of its own tail. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, there's just so many. You'll, so you'll all have a favourite. Oh, the other one is the chihuahua that's... That, have you heard that one? Doing yeah. a desperate howl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one. Okay. Just a general any dog videos we recommend. Yeah. And once you've done that, tick. Well done, you've completed your first assignment. Yes. A bit of self-reward. <laughs> yeah. As long Don't as it's not it. a drink. Yeah, not yeah, a drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do it for oh, more... Half an hour's your limit. Yeah, okay? if half you, an hour's if your limit. If we're three hours in, you're still watching them, stop. Yeah. Stop, move to point it's, two. Yeah, it's time to like yeah. get back on track with your sobriety. Yeah. The other one is you can book a doctor's appointment. I know that sounds, again, a bit cliche, but that is going to be the best thing you can do yourself. I know that you get a few free mental health um, appointments since COVID, and that includes alcohol. If you say to your doctor, I think I have a problem with alcohol, they can refer you to free to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you can join Cuppa, of course, join the Cuppa community. And on there, there's BetterHelp, which get, which you get uh, a month's free therapy as well through that. Uh, you can find an AA meeting. Um, so meet other people who are in the same shoes of you, who have been there before. Obviously, this isn't for everyone. Um, but if you haven't given it a go, why not see if it is for you? Yeah, I mean, AA does work for a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Do whatever it takes. That's what we're going to say here. Understand you don't have to be extreme to deserve help. Listen to our episode, Worthy of Support. Listen to that next, guys. Yes. Join online groups. We've got one called Cuppa, but there's also Hello Sunday Mornings. There are apps. There are Facebook groups. There's a lot of help online. You can just sit there on your phone and still get these things done. Read some Quitlet. Read Alcohol Explained first by William Porter. That's a really good way to understand the science behind your consumption. Mm-hmm. I just read Sober Curious. Absolute Belter would highly recommend. Listen to podcasts. Uh, if you are listening to ours, thanks a lot. There's lots of other great ones, lots of other podcasts about sobriety that you can check into, lots of interviews with famous sober people that you can give a listen to. I really recommend going for a walk. I know you don't feel like it today because you feel hungover, but I promise it's going to make you feel better. And practice being grateful like Hamish did. Life since the pandemic is beautiful. We get to live, we get to go for walks and we get to socialise. So really try and remember that and hone in on that, like live your life to the full. That sounds like an inspirational quote, which is what we're talking about now. You can stick post-it notes around the house of inspirational quotes. I always found them in the loo is quite good. Oh, yes, good idea. probably just reflects that I'm spending too much time in the loo. Yeah. But yeah, that is where I would stick it and learn them. (gasps) Get your purpose tattooed on your eyelids. Makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? Look at it all the time, yeah. Most of all, feel excited. This is going to be wonderful. I've just got to mention a tattoo that my friend had, which was a a W on each cheek, on his bum cheeks. Okay. And every time we went to a party, he would bend over, and of course it spelt out, wow. Oh, that is good. That is good. (laughs) I met quite a lot of people travelling who had camels on their toes. Yeah, the old camel toe joke was quite strong. There's some dodgy tattoos around, aren't there? Wow, he's aggressive. Yes. Bend down and spread your cheeks to strangers at a party. Yeah, he wasn't the nicest guy, quite honestly. Was he not? He sounds lovely. He asked me out. He actually bought me some flowers once, that that exact guy, and he came round my house like, all right, Vic, I knew you liked flowers. (laughs) I knew you liked flowers, so I got you some flowers. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Flowers. Did you date him? No. And that is John, my now husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for some extra inspo, home, let's very quickly list the pros and cons for sober life. I know those of you who listen to our podcast have heard these a million times, but we're really honing in on that person with a hangover today, just mm. to let you know just some little tiny pieces of snippets of information of, of why this is going to be good for you. First of all, you wake up in your own bed, Hamish, sometimes. Well, most of the time for me now. <laughs> Rather than waking up in the bucket of a digger on a building site, which has actually happened. In a bucket? Yeah, no, (laughs) no, the bucket of a digger, not an actual bucket. (laughs) No, a bucket of a digger, you know, like the actual, like, claw bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my mate woke up in a bucket of a digger one morning. Yeah, Yeah. Um, You enjoy Sundays rather than crying on the toilet or retching into a bucket. Another bucket? Are they all going to be bucket related? All bucket related, these, yeah. (laughs) You know what you've said the night before? Uh, rather than receiving texts from friends asking you why you called them all twats and tried to punch a bouncer and tripped over a bucket. Sure. You'll no longer have to think about buckets or alcohol (laughs) rather than planning every single sip. No more preoccupation that you had to drink to be fun. You free yourself from anxiety and give your body a chance to heal rather than wondering if you might die at any moment and may need to be sectioned with the help of armed police. Wow. Uh, That that has been an option for me at times, yeah. You get to trust yourself again and lead by example, rather than friends and family giving me sly looks when I crack the third bottle of red wine and phone a dealer. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. In front of friends and fa- in front of family. Yeah, come on, dear oh dear, you will be a better parent rather than one that's missing out on precious time. 
That's a guarantee. You get to live life to the full without numbing out emotions and you make memories that you actually remember. That's a good one. So true. I mean, the list goes on, Hamish. Your skin looks better. Your health is better. Your depression can possibly go. Mm. Lucy is an example of that. She stopped taking her antidepressants after being sober for a year. Amazing. She didn't know that it was the booze that was actually causing the depression. Because it's a depressant. Because it's a depressant. It (laughs) is a depressant. You're happier. Your brain starts working. You feel more. You love more. You understand more. You feel part of something. You experience personal growth. Your hair is thicker. Your eyes are brighter. No more shame, guilt or embarrassment. You feel a sense of achievement that builds a confidence. You become who you were before alcohol. And we promise you that authentic, genuine little soul is the best version of you. And they're just aching to burst out from under the ethnal and to live life on your terms. Don't follow the crowd or head down the pub. You've done drinking. It's time to try something else. Yes, like Latin dancing with a handsome hunk called Julio, ferret racing in Bognor Regis, or learning the ukulele and collect belly button fluff. Yeah, those are things you could try, Hamish, but I was thinking more kind of stuff on the sober path, like collecting belly button fluff could get awkward, especially if you're doing that in a social situation. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Although that's, what, I, that's what I was doing at your party. Oh, yeah, I wondered what you were up to. Although I am up for a bit of Julio action. Have you got his number? No, he blocked me. Oh, he yeah. blocked you. Yeah. Another one. Yeah, yeah. Another one that's blocked your friendship. <laughs> dear, oh dear. We hope that today's episode has given you some food for thought and helped heal your hangover just a little bit. We don't want to shock you with all the scary stats today or tell you how a third of cancers are caused by alcohol no. or how it's a class A carcinogen. Or we're not even going to give you our own miserable sob stories and shame tales. we won't do that. No, we won't do that. We just want to let you know it's okay to question. I questioned too, and it was the beginning of something magical. Now, off you go. You've got jobs to do. Get your toolkit in place. Listen to Sober Awkward from the first episode. Go dig up the answers. Start being nice to yourself for once. And before you go to sleep tonight, write down your purpose. That is what will spur you on and guarantee that for once you fulfil a New Year's resolution and begin a sober life. Just a note to say directly to those of you with a hangover today. We know how it feels. We've been there. We know the anxiety. We know the feeling of shame. And we know you can't imagine a life without booze. But it's just that booze-worshipping culture trying to get you to buy another round. Don't listen. It's all a load of old twattle. Be kind to yourself now and give it a go. We've done it and you can too. You got this. Yeah, you got this, guys. Haven't you got a button that does this? Yeah, you got this. You got this. (laughs) It's my worstest one. So I'm going to end with a quote. I think we've got a couple of quotes actually today, Hamish. Yeah. Every year you make a resolution to change yourself. This year make a resolution to be yourself. Oh, I like it. That is good. And my one is a David Bowie quote. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. Yeah, we promise it won't be boring too, don't we, Hamish? Us too, and David. And David. We'll support you. I can't believe David Bowie died. Yeah, he did I know, that was a while ago. Actually, that was New Year's Day, I think, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, they announced it, I think, New Year's Day. Yeah, about three or four years ago, wasn't it? David. 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 Miss him. We do miss David. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Yeah, good luck. And yeah, go and have a pint of water. Go back to bed and wake up tomorrow with a New Year's resolution that you're actually going to keep people. You got this. You got this. You got it, guys. You got it, sport. (laughs) 
If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know, just write it on Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Good, yes. Good, good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, 
It wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. My teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. 